Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the In Real Deep podcast. I'm your host, Steve Semino, senior writer at InRealDeep.com, and with me, as always, is executive editor Andrew Johnson. Hello, Andrew. Hello, Steve. I'm still here. You're still here. Did, were, we, were we nervous about that? Were you going somewhere? Uh, just going to the birth of my next child. Oh, so that's true. I guess that is, uh, <laughs> that is a yeah. consistent possibility at any given moment, yeah. but... Yeah, could be even hopefully we get to the end of this podcast. Yeah, I was gonna say we got like maybe forty five, fifty minutes. Hopefully that the, the gods yeah. give us a brief reprieve. So I think we're I think we're okay. I think so okay. too. So tell Amanda okay. she, even if her water breaks, that, that that doesn't mean anything right away. She can just chill, right? Uh, well, they <laughs> say the second one goes a lot faster, so oh, okay. I don't know about that, but all right, we'll, we'll see. You do you then. Don't don't take my advice. I have no knowledge so, on the subject. It's all relative. She was in we were, we were in labor for twenty four hours last time, so Okay. Faster, Faster's even good. by those standards, would would leave us plenty of time to get to the hospital. <laughs> <That's good. laughs> so we will not expect that to be a concern. You will likely get the entirety of this podcast. If you're listening right now, it probably went off without a hitch. So that's a good sign. So I I, I would enjoy the like the. I, I wonder what would happen to me if I said no. We have to finish recording this podcast first. <laughs> or if you left and I just talked to myself for a while. Yeah. We were so close yeah. to the end. I was like, oh, I'm just going to tar- carry this over yeah. the finish line. You can just mimic my voice or try. <laughs> All right, before we get too into the topic of this episode, I'm going to leave people uh, in the lurch a little bit. We're going to do our beverage of choice segment first. Andrew, what are you enjoying? You're allowed to drink. You're not pregnant. What do you got drinking right there? Um, yeah, the, the beers are about to be a lot less guarded in my house um, in a couple weeks here. Uh, I am drinking, I think this is the second straight episode, something from Three Stars. I think I was drinking some of the three stars last time but this is a different beer it's called 77 Seville's and it had like Cadillac Seville's so it has like Cadillac style logo on there and it's a double IPA double dry hop double India pale ale wow that's a hefty that's a hefty we might hear you uh, maybe slurring a little bit by the end of this episode or... you never know you never know <laughs> our eagle-eared listeners keep you know keep paying attention and let me know if you think Andrew uh, loses his train of thought a little bit as we move forward yeah. As long as they don't hear my cat again, like last time. <laughs> uh, well, I'm enjoying an Ace Pineapple Cider. I was It's only 6 p.m. here, and I've been drinking IPAs and stuff, too, when we record. And I was like, you know what? A soft, refreshing cider <laughs> sounds perfect, because it's I'm going to cook dinner after this and spend the whole night doing things. So <laughs> I'm sticking with a good cider, but it's very, very good. I just bought it on a whim, and it's uh, it's pretty delicious. I'm not a huge cider guy, but why not? It does have alcohol in it, though, right? It does. It's not like, 5%. It's not like a cider cider. No, like, no. It's a it's an alcoholic yeah. beverage. Gotcha. Gotcha. Cool. Mm-hmm. Well, everyone, make sure. You... Oh, no. Please. Thank I, you for keeping I, me on I, my toes. Yeah, I want to make sure we're on a relatively even playing field. <laughs> not exactly given even, so. but cl- we'll be close enough. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thank you for joining us because today we are going to have a very special episode of the In Real Deep podcast. We are going to recap the last five years of the In Real Deep existence. It's not exactly five years. It's not a hard celebration. It's not a hard anniversary. But I know, Andrew, we were having a conversation earlier this week. We both read something that sort of made us look back and get a little nostalgic for the site. And we realized that it's been roughly five years since this iteration of the site launched. And we wanted to sort of talk about where we've come in that amount of time. Yeah, well, and I I think the site goes back a little further than five years. But I think around five years ago is when you started writing for the site. So that's really the iteration of the site, which has improved it greatly. So cheers to you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, and then the piece we wrote, uh, we, we, that also kind of inspired this thinking and, um, 
and 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 maybe even think of this at all was um, Ann Hornaday's piece in the Washington Post over the weekend called "The New Canon," which is uh, a list of the 23 best films of the 2000s. So basically, she said, you know, let's set aside the BFI sight and sound poll um, that's run every 10 years, which really like looks at all of film history and let's focus on more recent history. And then I got thinking about, and maybe I'm just about to have a kid. So I'm like sentimental about milestones and stuff like that. But I got thinking about, you know, five years of in real deep. That's a long time and a lot of movies. I mean, we've, I don't think we reviewed this many, but we've probably watched combined, you know, got to be close to, you know, well over 500 movies between the two of us um, yeah, in that, in that right. time. stuff. So so um so that's a lot of that's a lot of film sure is and i think one of the things we wanted to do here is ponder some stuff that resonated with us ponder some stuff that we talked about several years ago or wrote about several years ago or haven't seen in a couple years even and that has marinated and stuck with us and still matters or maybe matters more than it did previously because we both were talking before we recorded one of our beefs with the oscars is it's a very immediate reaction we saw this you know in some cases a month or two ago and now we are deciding whether it was the best movie of the year that's not really how things work like rarely do i see something twice in a calendar year but so five years later things stick with me or, or matter more than they did then and that's probably a much better truer sign of a good film yeah and i thought like um uh, um i thought uh i thought what was interesting about um ann hornaday's list too was like um you know it's it's a list so it's of course subjective and meant to inspire like you're wrong what a terrible you know opinion but like there were some films on there that i love that i like that like 25th hour for example was on there which is a spike lee movie uh, possibly like the last really good spike lee movie before black clansman or so i hear um like that i really love and thought was like uh, she wrote about it, like it being like kind of the perfect 9-11 movie but you kind of blinked and missed it when it came out um way back when and so that's kind of what like got me thinking about this uh, and, and doing a deeper dive because yeah, that's the reality. Like so, some things you love in the moment, but they don't really, they don't really stick with you uh, in quite the same way. And that's like, that's, that's what, that's what I think film criticism is all about, which is constantly kind of reevaluating where something stands, the more information you have about it and the more time you take to kind of like absorb it. So um, like at, what was interesting too, and to me, it was like how uh, how generally disinterested I was actually in some of my top ten movies. Like I looked at those <laughs> lists right away, but uh, like a lot of them, I was like, yeah, I don't like, I don't know, like I don't know why I put that in there. Like I, I mean, I'd know why I put it in there. I like the movie, but you know, some of them just they're much more disposable than others. Um, so, um, and then there's other movies that didn't even make my top 10 list, which I still like think about to this day. So, um, yeah, I mean, we're not, we're, we, when we, when we shit on the Oscars or award shows in general, we're not immune to that. Like we certainly yeah. have our fair share of, of awards bait that we, in yep. the heat of the moment go, Whoa, Carol was so meaningful and great. And I got nothing against Carol. I just, <laughs> I just grabbed that out of my butt, but, but like something like that, where I definitely have not thought about Carol since I wrote about <laughs> right, it, you know, like right, right, it just didn't right. resonate with me. And the fact that I liked it, I don't even know if I put it in my top 10, but it just, it just, it, it, it seems to exist in a lot of ways to, if not win something, then just it, ha- it carries a prestige sort of aura around it that 
doesn't necessarily make it that great or memorable or, or relevant to people. And that's okay. But again, it's just in, 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 in that, you know, one or two month window, things may seem more, you know, movies may seem bigger than they appear or than they actually are. Yeah. And there's uh, the one for me that like going through this, and I actually really still love this movie and would like watch it and stop and watch it if it was on TV like tonight. Um, but that I don't think is particularly, uh, has it like, I just love the movie. It hasn't like made me think in different ways or anything. Like, it hasn't like had an, an impact on sort of the way I think or perceive film is like inside Lewin Davis. I love that movie. Um, I love, love, love that movie. I have the record downstairs, but like, that's one where I just, I just kind of going through the lists and stuff I interviewed. I just passed over pretty quickly because uh, it doesn't like, that's not to say it's not Canon or whatever. It just doesn't like, it hasn't, hasn't stuck with me in quite the same way. So I thought it was kind of interesting to take this perspective. Yeah. With, with time, you know, time yeah, is, time is that, a heck of a thing. that to me is the kind of movie where you see it once and it's interesting and it resonates. And then it does, but I don't know, even though there's a lot to unpack in a movie like that, it, it just, uh, upon second viewing, it didn't, I just appreciated the performance yeah. and the general idea, but there was nothing really right. new there, I guess. Yes. Yes. There's not much more to uncover with yeah, each viewing. It's yeah, sorta, yeah. It's a yeah. weird, it's got some quirks to it and, and you kind of suss them out a little more as you watch it, but there's just not a ton more there and that's okay there's actually there's a lot there already so it's not like it's lacking in depth or right. meaning but it just didn't didn't stick with you so yeah well andrew let's go back and forth let's we, we highlighted a couple movies that we really wanted to talk about that have stuck with us over these five years so i'm gonna go first and i'm gonna talk about creed because i remember so i remember when i wrote my review of creed it came out in 2015 it was i saw it in outside philadelphia where i'm from in south jersey and but it was you know it's a it was a, it's a largely philadelphia suburb and it was one of the best movie going experiences i've had mm-hmm. in this last five years for sure because it was a a return to form for the rocky franchise which i love i grew up watching the rocky movies a philly icon like just so great to see that come back to life in a, in a different way and then also a primarily African-American cast or primarily black cast director. Like, you know, mm-hmm. t- it, it took a, a much more modern, appropriate vibe on what boxing and what this kind of story would be. It didn't try and shoehorn in, you know, some like it, boxing is a sport that is largely black, you know, people of color, black, Hispanic, you know, Mexican, like just say that, that that's it is a lower class sort of sport. And the the Italians and the Irish and the Polish who typically held those roles 40, 50 years ago, not so much. Still, still there, but just it's it's not really their thing at this point. And I think Creed, just the fact that it chose, you know, though it had a sort of easy win with the Apollo Creed son story to mm-hmm. hop on, they didn't just half-ass that. They didn't just say, "Here's Apollo Creed's son. See the fucking movie." You know, like it's a Rocky movie. Go see it. Like it was just great, and it mattered, and it had oomph to it, and it, you know, it brought Ryan Coogler to his, you know, Black Panther fame now that he enjoy, enjoys so deservingly. But because he was able to do so much, and Michael B. Jordan, and everyone involved did so much with a sort of popcorn sports movie like that, and, and made it resonate, and made it so powerful, it just changed so much about, you know, it, 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 it launched careers, and it definitely opened some eyes, I would say, into what a primarily black cast and a movie with a little bit of a different viewpoint can mean to people and be relevant to to people that maybe they weren't targeting so much they being studios so i just love talking about it. i love watching it it's incredibly rewatchable it's incredibly fun stallone is fantastic in it and there's just so many things about that i liked And, and again one of these movies that Loved it when it came out. You know, couldn't praise it enough. I think we voted it our best movie of the year, if I remember we did. correctly. We did. And, yeah. and I like yeah. it just as much now, if not more. 
Yeah. So I have sort of a, a, a couple of thoughts on that. And I, I, I also love, still love Creed to this day. Like one, I think it's like when you think about the era we live in and actually in Hornaday mentions this in the intro to our article of like, we're in the, the re era. It's like reboots, remakes, reimaginings and everything. Like this is everything you want in that kind of film, right? Like this takes a franchise and just it it has it it had the right amount of sort of like paying tribute to and handshaking with the past but also takes it in like a totally new direction um it's like everything you want in that kind of movie and and franchise movies you know we shit on them a lot on this podcast um but you know i mean the, the you said movie going experience and that's like what a franchise movie is for like you go to view it with a lot of people and you know there's like adrenaline involved in some in some ways and um uh so there's that 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 uh the, the, i i love what you said about it sort of being fresher and for a new generation i said this at a time and i think you scoffed at me but i i i sincerely believe that the first rocky movie i will show to my daughter and perhaps my my uh, unborn child my other unborn <laughs> child is going to be creed because like the original rocky is going to be like god knows how old when she's ready to watch that movie yeah, um 50 years, and it, it's it's it already feels kind of like i mean i still love it but it's, it feels like kind of a relic you know um to, to a degree um and then the only other thing i'll add is like yes for the movie going experience it was like it, it was so intense in that movie. And then the other thing I have very vivid memories of is um, it was like literally the first time I think that um, Amanda and I left my daughter, Anna, she was only like, I think three or four weeks old when it came out at the end of two, 2015. It was like the first time we'd like left her at home without like, we went out and did something. Uh, her grandparents were here. And, and I remember like the intensity of it, it was an intense enough ending. And then the, it being ratcheted up by us being like, petrified and wanting to just go back to our daughter after being away <laughs> for like two hours um so i love i love creed and I'm, I'm glad you glad you put it on the list absolutely okay uh all right the first one i wanted to talk about was uh spike jones 2013 movie her and steve and i were talking about this a little bit I think I went and saw that in the theater and i love the movie you know it made my top 10 list that year um it was a unique story then. Um, I think I took it. I took it a little unseriously at the time. Um, uh, people wearing, you know, especially men like wearing tighter high waisted pants and um, and people interacting with uh, uh, a piece of technology that has like kind of a human component to it. And now I'm sitting here. I was just was just telling Steve before we got on. I, I spent the day. I was in in Washington D.C. today, uh, walking around with like hipper people than I usually see here in the suburbs. And um, I was like looking around, and I'm like, all these people are kind of dressed like Joaquin Phoenix now. And uh, I have a Amazon Echo in my kitchen that I yell at to play music and set timers when I'm cooking and all that sort of thing. Uh, and so it's just it's a movie that like again to sort of like. Highlight it's 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 maybe not like my favorite movie that I've watched in the last five years, although I do really like it. But it it um it, it the more and more time goes by, the more and more prophetic it seems. Um, and sort of like uh like I think that's a great science fiction film. I think it's the fiftieth anniversary of two thousand one, A Space Odyssey, and there like you go back to that film, and there's like basically iPads in that movie. Um, and like so, any great science fiction film does have this kind of like 
um, creepy forecasting the future sort of element. I didn't take her as seriously as I should have, I guess, at the time. And like, here we are. And like, by the day, it doesn't seem, it seems less and less crazy that you could like fall in love with a virtual assistant on your telephone. <laughs> um, and it's a brilliant film and all that stuff and about love. And it, it's love in, a, in an age where technology kind of um, takes over. And uh, so I think it's brilliant uh, generally, but it's, it's a movie that I just keep going back to in my head, even though I don't, I don't necessarily revisit it a ton of times or watch it, make a point to watch it every year or anything like that. No, and when you brought it up, I sort of laughed because I haven't seen it very uh, recently either. But you're right, and it's just it's one of those things. Like I never thought about it as prophetic necessarily. I, I didn't really think, and I thought about it as sort of jokey when I saw it because I think it is meant yeah. to be. I mean, I don't think yes. he necessarily knew. What, 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 he might not realize he was setting a template in any way for the future or predicting no. it. But no. it sort of it worked out in that particular way, and it is you know at, at this point seeing it now as opposed to back when it came out, certainly would view it through different eyes. Yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, again, that's kind of like you know, a hallmark of great science fiction. It seems ridiculous at the time. But, um, you know, again, to go back to 2001, you know, you've got basically what are iPads or FaceTime essentially in that movie. And then, you know, it seemed ridiculous at the time, but they have like people flying in Pan Am spaceships to the moon. Now, they may have gotten the brand wrong. Um, <laughs> they didn't have Tesla or Virgin uh, or whatever, all these private companies that are talking about space flight now. But like... Here it is not too long after the year 2001, and, well, here we are. Yep. Um, so, uh, and 2001 is another movie that's sort of, like, if you'd watched it at the time, I've even watched it since, and, like, I'm not sure that that, it, it, it's, it, it seems silly. It seems silly, a lot of the stuff you see in it, and then you're, like, you look around at the world, and you're, like, oh. You know, there's something, they've, they've I think what it is, they've unearthed something, something in human nature, um, and that's why they're able to like kind of hone in on, you and know, I mean, and I mean, not to get too, you know, theoretical or whatever the word would be, but you have to wonder that did that set a tone without even meaning to in, in what people end up creating, you know, like yeah. how much of that lodged in the consciousness of so many people who then went on to start companies and create technology and design things. And then all of a sudden, whoa, I made something that is very similar to this movie that I probably liked a ton when I was 10 years old, you know? It's yep. you don't know you can't quantify that sort of thing, but it's very interesting to think about. Yep. Yeah, it's great. That's a very good choice, and you and it's on Netflix now. So I, you've inspired me to give it a watch for sure. I watched the game recently, and that was really <laughs> stupid. So I'm gonna not watch dumb movies and watch good ones instead. <laughs> so I do love what the game. It? The game is kind of interesting. Well, it's it's such a dumb premise, but it's very captivating in its own way. Yeah, it's it's always weird when you do rewatch like a an older movie and then you're like, why does anyone like this movie? Like, I I think I was texting you like a few. I'm gonna probably we'll probably get hate mail for this, but I was watching. Um, I, I was texting you a couple weeks ago. I was watching The Goonies on AMC, mm-hmm. and I was like, this movie sucks. Like, <laughs> yeah, like it's just really bad. It's real uh, stupid. I don't totally like you. You had to grow up with it. I think, and, and you might have. Did you grow up with it? I saw it when I was a kid, and I like revisited. I'm like, this is the dumbest movie ever. Like, it's so. I have it on my. Whatever. I don't get <laughs> yeah. it. I don't get it either. I don't, I don't. I don't have any beef with it, but I don't totally get it. I, I, I just think there's so many better <laughs> '80s movies. Yeah. Like, if that's your era, you know, like there's Steven Spielberg, like made like five better movies in that time frame. So. Yes. Anyway. That's a total aside. <laughs> We're not talking about the 80s canon. Nope. No, not that's not our subject today. 
Yeah. All right, my movie that I'd like to also talk about is, because you introduced the other one with a little context, I'm going to do the same. Brooklyn, the 2015 romantic drama film directed by John Crowley, most known for starring Saoirse Ronan, who has gone on to further fame in Lady Bird and other things. This was her, her first Best Actress nomination, and well-deserved. And it's one of those movies that I still talk about when I'm talking about a great romantic drama of the last couple of years. Yeah. It just, it was so sweet and so innocent. And there's one scene in particular that sticks with me so much. And it's the sex scene between Saoirse Ronan's character and Emery Cohen's character. He's like a uh, street wise Italian dude. And she's a nice little Irish girl. And they both don't know what the hell they're doing. And they end up having sex and, it finishes very quickly and everyone they're, they're just very like confused and giggly and they don't neither one knows what's really happened but they're just ultimately so happy to have you know crossed that threshold together and that's it and I've, it's one of those things we've talked about this in other movies I think, I think of boyhood a lot where when you see a scene like that you sort of wait for the blow up you know you wait yes. for something to go wrong you've just yeah. been conditioned with movies like nothing things like that don't happen without consequence they don't they, they always cause conflict or they always are used and like and that's that's I think that's traditional sort of storytelling in a lot of ways is find the conflict in a scenario like that but with Brooklyn there's plenty of conflict otherwise but it's, it doesn't it doesn't come from it, it wouldn't make sense to these characters and it doesn't come from their nature at all like if, if anything she's too sweet and she's just too innocent and she you know has different you know loves with different people and and Emery Cohen is a, just a you know a boy who falls for her and then is sad <laughs> yeah. about that like so it, 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 it's way more natural and it's way less um not contrived, but it doesn't feel like dramatic for the sake of being dramatic, which right. most movies are because they're dramas, you know, like they, right. there is a need for conflict and Brooklyn, you know, ignores all that in a lot of ways, especially in its, in, you know, character to character interaction and just tells a real basic story that is just so sweet and so well done. And it's one of those things that has just stuck with me ever since I saw it. Um, yeah, it's funny. You've been talking through it and I'm just, I'm like, I'm like smiling right now. Like, obviously no one can see this This is an audio <laughs> medium, but like, that's kind of like how I feel about this movie. Like it, it just makes me, it makes me smile. Um, it's, it's just well acted. It's a very simple story. I think your point about, um, uh, the scenes in there, like, uh, it, there's no like melodrama basically. And, um, and, and that's what, I mean, most, you know, not most, but like, a lot of romances don't fit into that. Like it, it eschews the sort of like romantic comedy tropes. Uh, you know, it's not really comedy, but um, like most romances and like that's that you don't have these moments of like high drama and oh, what are what the hell are we gonna do and stuff like that. I'm just thinking about like my wife who I've been married to for like five years. Like we didn't we didn't have like a you know some like some like dramatic moment and point of no return in our relationship. We just like you know liked each other a lot and, like, and yeah we liked each other a lot we we were attracted to each other we moved in now we have kids you know it's just like it's it's not and that's what i love about the movie it just feels it feels like that you know um yeah. that's not to say there's not tension in it you know and she's got the pull back to ireland and stuff like that um but um it just, it, doesn't, so it, doesn't, it just doesn't manufacture yeah. it for the sake of you know right. exactly yeah yeah it feels true to the characters you know yes absolutely that's um well it's a good segue uh i think because you know it's interesting i sort of i sort of started with one that like i felt was sort of prophetic and you know uh i, I hesitate to use the word ahead of its time but you know or the phrase ahead of its time but um was it 
it was it, yeah but it was prophetic but but uh, i also came back to movies like brooklyn and i think the movie i'm about to mention falls into this category where they feel like to a degree timeless like they don't feel like they had to be made in any era particularly i mean of course they are but um so the second one i wanted to bring up was dunkirk which um uh is is a very different movie than brooklyn of course um, so it's a war movie but i think the the point i'm getting at is that it's a war movie that feels um I don't want to say like it could be made at any time because there's certainly um, things about the production value and Christopher Nolan's sort of sensibility that are very of the 2010s. But I just feel like that's a like when I'm when I'm like recommending a war movie to someone like 30 years from now, they like ask me, what's the best war movie you've ever seen? Like, I don't know that I would say Dunkirk, but it would be on the short list. Right. And uh, I just feel like that's not going to change. Um, and so I felt like. That's one of the things I felt a little uncomfortable picking something that was a little more recent because I've only had a chance to basically see it twice. And that came out like basically a year ago. Um, But I just feel like I feel very confident that like, again, 10, 20, 30 years from now, we're still going to be like name checking that movie as like a great example of 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 war filmmaking. And um, and also to your point, like um, I think one of the most or, or maybe not similar to Brooklyn, but um, one of the things I really appreciated about it is like, you never see Nazis in that movie. It's all about the tension of, um, of being trapped somewhere in a war when like your life is on the line. Um, and, and it sort of never lets go of that. And and, and that's why I think it's kind of going to be a, a timeless film. So um, that one, again, maybe not, I'm not even sure it was my favorite, my favorite movie of the last calendar year but it certainly is one that i feel like i i am i'm confident i'm going to be referencing um and thinking about for many for like decades ahead yeah there's not a lot of you know there's it's they've made so many war movies over the years and there's not always a ton of room to innovate and not that dunkirk necessarily innovated per se but it, it there were the little things it did that you sort of noted that really made it feel different and like you said nolan's sensibilities the three different sort of uh perspectives the the way it built tension without showing you what the tension was really emanating from like those were all those were all great things and i think it's definitely it's i think it's one of those movies that when i saw it i appreciated it for what it was without maybe even really knowing why you know yeah. like that was great i and, and like if you asked why you'd be like it's a great war movie but it was definitely more than that it wasn't just it was cool like think of a great war movie it's cool there's battles everyone fights like you know that that, <laughs> that, that wasn't what was great about dunkirk like it would it's reductive to describe it in that way yet i think i would have fallen back on that as a like shorthand way to tell someone to go see it and i think as i think about it more and more it, that that wasn't what made it special and definitely one of those ones i want to watch again because i think you're probably right i think there is there's a lot going on on there that, that as we see it more and more it'll it'll reveal itself uh to like oh that's why i love it there it is i think i think maybe the innovation in it uh in in the war movie space because there have been so many of them is that um i think of a war movie and i think of a, a long movie right an epic sort of struggle and um you know because and it's an epic it's about life and literally about life and death and camaraderie and stuff like that and and dunkirk actually has none of that in it and it's i mean even for a christopher nolan film it's like taut and short it's like an hour and 40 minutes minutes. yeah it's 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 so it's so short and i think the innovation there is like 
<laughs> basically resisting all of those those tropes and temptations and that's kind of like why where i was comparing it to you know brooklyn you know saying it wasn't going to have that dramatic moment after they like had their first sexual encounter and then she's pregnant all of a sudden or something like that's the obvious place to go and and dunkirk wasn't like an epic story of the six days and all the different people that had to you know it, it just wasn't that and it still delivered every bit of emotion uh that it needed to yep absolutely all right my final movie that i'm going to be discussing at least on the good side of things is nightcrawler the 2014 American, I'm just reading from Wikipedia now, the 2014 <laughs> American neo-noir thriller written and directed by Dan Gilroy starring Jake Gyllenhaal. So this is another example, or maybe not another example, but an example of a movie that when I saw it, I liked it a lot. And I thought it was, I thought Jake Gyllenhaal was great. He was sort of playing against type. It was nice to see him being a real creep, like one of the bigger creeps and yeah. not even just creep, that's underselling it. Like one of the true yes. psychos of the last couple of years. And and as I as time has gone by, sort of similar to her, it's also been prophetic in its own way. In that I don't think what's happening now, I think it was happening then as it's happening now. But in talking about local news, in talking about just you know from a news perspective in general, what makes money, what get cl- what gets clicks, what people want to see, what they'll pay for, is the bad stuff, is the scary stuff, is the stuff that makes people nervous. That's what people they don't want to watch it, but they feel compelled and. It is a frightening thing, and and a person like you know Lou Bloom, who is Jake Gyllenhaal's character, who slides so easily into this world of psychopaths as and can sort of cover up his his you know his insanity yeah. with efficiency and just a, a crazed demeanor towards achieving those goals is wild, and it's a little you know over the top in a lot of ways, but it's also not that so much. Like the core of who this uh, who Lou Bloom is and the core of what he's trying to do can be easily seen and some of the shiftier, shittier people who occupy our media landscape at this current time. And probably I always have to a certain extent, but it's just a little more bald-faced now. It's a little more clear. There's not as much of a need to hide it. You can sort of get away with it these days, which is not a good sign. And Nightcrawler really sort of reinforces that that this is an, there's an opportunity there for psychos to really step in and, and make their mark. And also, it's a great L.A. movie. I've lived in L.A. for 14 months now. And there's been a ton of L.A. movies over the last couple of years that have glorified it or, you know, glorified elements of it. La La Land, 500 Days of Summer, Drive to a certain extent. But honestly, living here, and I don't think L.A. is necessarily a dark place, but there's, a, you know, any big city has its seedy sides, and L.A. certainly yeah. does as well. And Nightcrawler really pulls that stuff out there and and, yeah. and doesn't try and, and – and there's nothing about the – like, even in Drive, the L.A. in Drive is – is you know is shady, but in like a, in an intriguing way, like ooh, what's going on over there? Like, and in, in Nightcrawler, it's just like this place fucking sucks, and it's terrible, and <laughs> and the bad stuff is bad, and it's not getting any better, and there's yeah, there, the hopelessness is is there, and it's staring you right in the face if you look for it. And I think that's something that you know Nightcrawler is unabashed about presenting, and it's a good LA, like there there's some of that for sure, and it's just it's it's a nice contrast to the more optimistic viewpoints, which are here as well but they're they're easier to do and it's it, there's a lot there's a, there's enough stuff to to praise here it's nice to see it you know it's nice to see that see me underbelly sort of magnified and presented without you know just for what it is i'm gonna give it some make a well make a lofty comparison i guess i would say but i think uh and this literally just this occurred to me even though i've known you're going to talk about nightcrawler for for quite a while um 
that 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 notion of um, the seedy underbelly of of a city um, it, it reminds me a little of, of Taxi Driver actually um, mm-hmm. and and the scenes of of Travis Bickle sort of driving around New York in his taxi cab with like you know all manner of creep trying to like get in his taxi cab and like the rain and like like it's a very visceral sort of feeling and um, obviously it, I think it captures a different city in a different way. But I, I think what you're getting at is, is right on. And I, I, I actually, I, I think you're almost underselling the sort of understanding the media landscape component of this. Like, I think if you want to understand, you know, the sort of um, sick symbiotic relationship between Donald Trump and cable news, Nightcrawler might not be a bad place to start if you're looking at movies. I, seriously, in all, all seriousness, like I, I, I think that's, I think that's totally valid. That the, the sort of uh, the, the, the rubbernecking syndrome that we all, that we all um, are susceptible to. Um, it's a great movie, and I think I, so. Now that I've gotten your three movies, like one of the things I'm glad you've highlighted is three, three stars in those movies who. I feel still aren't quite completely properly appreciated by like sort of the general public. I think people know who Michael B. Jordan and Saoirse Ronan and Jake Gyllenhaal are. Uh, I don't think, I don't think they've been paying attention enough to know that like those three people have made a lot of great movies in the last five years. Um, and Jake, 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 Gyllenhaal, Gyllenhaal only, Jake Gyllenhaal is only 37 years old too. That's crazy. Yeah. And he's been in an incredibly. He, he was in Zodiac great, eleven years ago. That's, that's he was twenty six in Zodiac. Great. Holy shit! He's, he's great. Yeah. Um. So I'm glad you glad you also highlighted him because he is he is a he is terrific. Um. As are the other two that that we've we've sort of talked about. The other two are sort of more up and comers. But Jake Gyllenhaal, I don't think there's. He's been around a while. To your point, and I don't think people have kind of a proper appreciation of of him. Yep. All right. We come to the end, I guess. Um, <laughs> of the good stuff. Of the good stuff, yeah. So my my last one is 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 uh, is Moonlight, which I don't actually have a ton to say about. I that I haven't already like sort of gushed effusively out uh, 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 about on our website and on these podcasts before. Um, I just think it's a brilliant sort of film, and the the. the the reason I sort of chose it, not that like I was looking for these categories necessarily, is but is just because that movie took me to a very specific place and person and character, and um, and immersed me in it from like the first moment, and and it and it showed me a, a character and a type of person and a place that I had never even thought of or considered in my entire life. And I just think that's what movies are all about. And I just thought it was a brilliant film. And I think about it all the time. And like, to me, it's like, if you haven't seen this movie in a lot, and I know, and sadly, like now it's known for like being not La La Land at the Oscars. Thanks Oscars. <laughs> another, another great thing. But like, it's sad that that's like probably what most people know about it. Um, but I just think it's a sort of a brilliant film. I don't have, I don't have as much to say about that. I haven't thought as much about it, but it just like, it was like when I was drawing up this list, I was like, that has to be on there. Cause it's, it's, and I think I put this in the review of it. Like I just, I wanted to live more. I wanted to see more of Sharon's life. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be with that character longer. And I, I just, I don't know any other like 
I don't know a higher compliment you can sort of pay to a story or a film than um, I want more. I want more of that character. I just, I love that character. I just want more. Um, even though he goes through some horrible things and you have to experience that, like, um, you know, and so that's all, that's all I really have to say about that. I just think it's a, a brilliant film. It's like, it's so specific that it becomes universal and that's like the power of the medium. Yep. I it's, concur. It's another one. My only thoughts on her. It's another one. You saw it right away and knew it was something special. Like it didn't, didn't require a lot yeah. of additional thought or contemplation. I mean, it, it deserves that. And it's a ton of great stuff there. And I, I love that it's catapulted Barry Jenkins and he's got a new movie coming out soon. And he's seems like he's something special and that's amazing. But the second you saw moonlight, if it didn't resonate with you, I don't know what to tell you. You're a weird person and you should, <laughs> you probably should not watch movies anymore. Cause there must be some emotional wall you have up where you can't engage with this medium. Like you said, like it's just, it, it is immaculately wonderful in in illustrating a lot of, the best things that that movies can do yeah oh the other thing is the score i just I, well the score and the music that was, like the the song that sort of plays at the end oh yeah when he's when reunited, the like, diner? yeah oh. i just that is just like it, it makes me smile in kind of a different way than brooklyn does but it makes me smile all the same like yeah, it's, it's just it's a sad smile sadder smile but but not yeah. a but not a not a bad sad just a a melancholy sort of longing yeah. you know yeah the years go by. Yep. All right. That's a good one. So that, that's going to wrap up our, you know, six of the movies that Andrew and I really have been thinking about over the last couple of years and that we reviewed on In Real Deep. So go check out our views. We'll be posting them on Facebook, uh, facebook.com forward slash In Real Deep. If you want to take a look at them, we'll be sure to share them all over the next week or so. But we also want to talk about some horrible movies that, <laughs> and it really, I only have one and it's just sort of a throwaway one, but it's just something I think about. It's a big difference from the ones we talked about, a lot of the good ones. It's just something that sticks with me as an example of, you know, I feel like every now and then we, we, uh, we meaning humanity in general, all decides we're going to go see a movie. And then we step back a year later and go, what, why do we do that? Like, what the fuck? Like, what possessed us to do that? And for me, in the last five years, a movie that really exemplifies that is Jurassic World. Jurassic World is fine. Jurassic World is okay. It's nothing, nothing offensive or terrible about it per se. But there had been, you know, a, an amazing dr- movie, Jurassic Park one, and then two <laughs> very, you know, diminishing return sequels. And it seemed like that was the end. And and then Jurassic World came out, and it followed the sort of the Force Awakens blueprint in a lot of ways, where you know it was a very sort of soft reboot with with actors that you know may resonate more with a younger audience, and it had nothing new to say about the subject. It was just another adventure with dinosaurs, and some people love that, and I don't fault them. I, I see dumb movies all the time and find value in them, but I'm just amazed that that movie made 1.6 billion dollars, and I'm amazed that the sequel made 1.2 billion dollars. I just don't know who. Why we all decide? And I saw Jurassic World in theaters, and and uh, so I'm a part of the problem in that sense. But I just don't get what we all found so fascinating, and why we found it fascinating again in 2018. I just don't understand. I know blockbusters are fun. I get the general idea behind it, but I feel like we were all hypnotized to a certain extent, and just went to see the dinosaur movie. And now looking back, I wonder why did I see? I knew I didn't want to see it. Why did I go see it? And I don't have an answer. So to me, it is very <laughs> emblematic of the sort of odd you know, mass hysteria, for lack of a better term, that overtakes people sometimes, where we all just go, oh, I'll see that, I guess it's there, it's big, everyone's seen it, I'll join up. And just, wh- wh- what were we doing? I don't get it. 
Yeah, well, it's yeah, like to your point, it's like why that specific movie, not like that we don't all get sucked into nostalgia at, at some point, like why that specific one. Um, I mean, I guess the only other thing I'd throw out is like I like Chris Pratt, so that was nice, but it wasn't was even nice. good. Like, I like Chris Pratt in Guardian, no, I know, I like Chris Pratt, like, I like I the goofy, clever Chris. This was like, this was like telling Chris Pratt to turn off the part of him that is the most endearing and yeah. turn on the like boring action hero. Yeah, part. he was, he wasn't goofy, he wasn't Andy Dwyer. There was no Andy Dwyer in that movie, no. Really, and, so and one of the reasons I think Guardians is such a great little film series is because Pratt is a like superhero version of that character that we all like that he plays so well he's great at it and i'm not saying you should play that and everything but a little more of that would would have been an interesting way to go and instead he is very stone-faced and very serious and i just don't think that is the best use of the guy they also should have just made a lot more and i just like they they need to make a lot more fun of the fact that they keep doing islands with amusement parks with dinosaurs and (laughs) doesn't like from that perspective it just uh, there's no tongue in cheek yeah there's nothing fun about yeah, it yeah no no it doesn't the fun doesn't, is you like dinosaurs the fun isn't hey we're doing yeah, another yeah. one isn't it kitschy and weird yes but liking dinosaurs is like what my almost three-year-old like she has yeah. dinosaur pjs <laughs> and she pajamas and she likes those so like that's not a good way to sort of evaluate what kind of pop culture you want to no, consume unless you're unless you're three years old i guess <laughs> and then it makes perfect sense uh oh i will i just always think of jurassic world and the thing i will say and my wife's in the background she's probably heard me say this like 10 times but like i feel like that movie was like the film version of cotton candy it like it's just like it's sweet going down and then it like just dissolves in your mouth and there's nothing left you don't remember anything that's what i felt i was like i walked out the theater i was like oh that was fun i don't remember anything about that movie yep instantly like right away i just i don't i don't remember any of it so Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) Uh, all right. Well, I'll, I'll highlight two. Um, the most obvious choice for me was like uh, me and Earl and the Dying Girl, which I saw like on a pre preview and I liked. And then there, this whole other thing happened with the internet debate about whether it was. I don't even know what the debate was about. There was a lot of there were a lot of hot takes about me and Earl and the Dying Girl that I recall, which is interesting <laughs> given like how. There were a lot. I feel like there were a lot of hot takes on like film Twitter and film, whatever. But it's interesting though now because no one cares about that movie at all um, now. Like, and I think it's two years old. Um, so that was like the easy choice. Um, I think the thing about that movie that I remember is like it. It. I know what it did. I know what it did. You know, it 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 pulled at particular emotional sort of like. I don't want to say weaknesses, I guess that, that we all have. And I think it did an effective job on me. So like in retrospect, I, I, I don't, I wouldn't like defend that movie to anyone, but I understand why I felt the way I did about it. The other one for me that I really wanted to talk about was American hustle, um, which is a movie that you poorly reviewed at the time or poorly. (laughs) poorly reviewed, but you were like lukewarm on it when everyone else was like, hot 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 and um and it got a bunch of oscar nominations and um and i just like that is like when we talk about a movie that like is the opposite of all the other ones that we just talked about which is like i don't remember anything about it i don't like i don't like that is the movie that like came to mind when i was going through through all of this stuff and what's funny is like i was sitting there telling my wife amanda this at dinner last night and I was like, I just don't remember anything about that movie. And she go, and she goes, 
The only thing I remember is like Jennifer Lawrence talking about, and I was like, "Science Oven." And, like that was the only <laughs> thing either of us remember really from that movie, which was a great scene, but like nothing else was memorable. And um, and so you know, flush that one down. And that was just like a classic, also a classic like Oscar bait. Had a lot of famous people, Christian Bale in a fat suit, or I don't, I can't remember if it was a fat suit or he gained weight, really, or whatever. You know, it's just a doesn't doesn't matter. It's just a movie you just don't think about. <laughs> My two thoughts on those were, I remember when you liked Mirror on the Dying Girl, I made fun of you for it. And now I can't even do that because I remember nothing about it, like you said. So <laughs> couldn't even summon a fact or even the smidgen of a fact to make fun of you now because I just it so quickly left my mind. And when it comes to, um, what, were we, what is the other one? Oh, uh, American Hustle. Oh, American Hustle, yeah. To me, to me American and, <laughs> You can't even remember the I name. Even, I know. I was going to cut this, and now I'm like, I got to leave it in because it's so ridiculous that I couldn't even remember. <laughs> to me, yeah. uh, you know, I, I, I'm happy. I feel like I was ahead of the curve on that one, and that feels good that I think I sort of was, you know, everyone sort of turned eventually, and I was one of the, the front runners in that regard. But to me, it's not the worst thing in the world. It's just a, a great example of the parts are better than the sum. Like, I think the four main, you know, Bradley Cooper, Amy Adams, Jennifer Lawrence, and Christian Bale are all varying levels of fine and good. Jennifer Lawrence is probably the best, but as just a whole, it just didn't make any sense, and it felt like a really shitty Goodfellas that you know yeah. they wanted to make. And like, and and I get I get why someone might instinctually like that at first, and then you know again in retrospect or after time think, hmm, that actually kind of sucks. And I feel like that's sort of maybe what it was, but yeah, it's just another you nailed it. Like it was just very 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 forgettable. And it's interesting when something that is is you know initially marketed or, or presented as good and received as good is then sort of reassessed after the fact. And I don't know whether that's because you know everyone gets on board with the bashing or whether everyone collectively just realizes that they were wrong. Like I mean, to me it doesn't really matter, but it is an interesting sort of phenomenon to think about how much of that is natural and organic and how much of that is everyone piling on because it's sort of fun to do. Well, it is like you bring up the marketing and that like that is, you know, there's all these studies, you know, out like everyone. Well, I don't know. Are you a Coke or a Pepsi person? I'm a Pepsi person. Oh, that's well, you're weird. Okay, (laughs) that's strange. I get that a lot. Yeah. But but even if you're a Pepsi person, most people swear they can tell the difference between Coke and Pepsi. Right. Yes. But the Pepsi challenge. 100% tell the difference between Coke and Pepsi. Everyone says that. I would bet a thousand dollars that I could tell the difference between Coke and Pepsi. It wouldn't even be. Everyone, everyone says that. Next time I see you, we're doing a Pepsi challenge. The Pepsi challenge is a real thing though. So like, I mean, most people prefer Coke because they're rational and Coke (laughs) is better. Um, And, uh, but like, but, Anyway, what I'm getting at is like um, I, there's this great book I read a while ago, and the guy says we we don't we don't drink the beverage, we drink the can, right? And so like um, the idea being that like you know American Hustle like came out at the right time of year, it had all these famous actors, they were in silly costumes, Christian Bale gained a bunch of weight, and so it's like oh you it. When you think about it that way, like it's like it's understandable why you kind of like talk yourself into that movie before you go in, right? Mm-hmm. And then, and then you know it matches expectations enough. Like it has the Robert De Niro cameo and every like you know all that stuff. I, I don't even think it's a bad movie. I just don't think it's. I think it's overrated, basically. You know, which is a whole. That's a term that's probably not the greatest to throw around, but um. <laughs> But, uh, no, it's, a, I mean, it's I, a great example for what we're talking about here. Like it is, 
it was expectations. It was how it was sold. It was it was the the splashy names and you know it coming off the heels of a lot of good David O. Russell movies. Like it it right. seemed like it was it seemed like a can't miss and it didn't really miss technically. It also but it didn't hit either. Yeah, we drank the beverage, not the can. Yeah, there you go. That's right. Way to tie it back to, to sodas and beverages. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe you're a Pepsi person. That's... It's just my – I mean, I'll drink Coke. I don't really care. But if you put one or the other in front of me, taking Pepsi 100 times out of 100, not even batting an eye. I mean, I'll quote someone else who's told me this recently. But there's a reason when you go to a resca- restaurant, they ask you, is Pepsi okay? <laughs> <laughs> and the we and the coke means you know like it, it means so, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah absolutely yeah. i get it i'm not i'm not arguing i don't think anyone's i think everyone who likes coke makes a lot of sense i'm just a pepsi guy to each their own there's this is still america we still can drink whatever soda we want for now it just, yeah the soda wars have not yet begun and hopefully they will never begin but if they do a, hopefully they'll be all the <laughs> until all jake jellenhall's characters take over what's his name blue something what's his Bloom. name Blue Bloom, yeah, yeah. Until we're all whatever soda Blue he Bloom. likes, yeah, that'll be yeah. that'll be the one we all have to like. He probably likes RC Cola <laughs> or Jolt. He might be yeah, a, Jolt. he's probably a yeah, Jolt guy. Let's be fair. Jolt. Yeah, he's got to stay awake at night, so <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> he's a Jolt guy. Uh, well, Andrew, that about does it for our in real deep retrospective episode. We were happy, like I said, we were so excited to talk about the last five years. It's been a great five years, Andrew. Thank you for bringing me on. Thank you for shepherding the site through some stuff. And it's you know you're you're, you're gonna be a very busy man with non website or movie based <laughs> things for the next couple months. But we still look forward to hearing from you wherever we can, and we will take all the little bits of Andrew we can get. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll have to find time for an Al Pacino movie here or there. Or yeah, something that like might that. be our saving grace. I think we got we got to get back to Al. That's that'll probably oh, yeah. work the best. Get Tom on the horn. Yeah, that's right. We'll, we'll call him right after this. all right everyone thank you as always for listening again go to our facebook page check out in real deep there go to inrealdeep.com and look at everything we're doing we have a ton of reviews up for the summer but we're gonna like i said we're gonna be sharing a bunch of these reviews that we've written of these movies so you can sort of get a sense of what we thought about them over the last couple years and go to the in real deep podcast find us on wherever podcasts are delivered and download more episodes there's a ton out there and we love to have them download. We love to see those numbers slightly rise up every now and then. And subscribe to our email listserv. Yes, email listserv, of course. That's at the bottom of the InRail Deep homepage. Subscribe to that. We put a couple issues out, and there's plenty more to come. Uh, movie Pass is still alive and well, so I'm going to keep seeing a bunch of movies, and I'm going <laughs> to keep writing about them. That, that's, that's, the, that's the lifeblood of the site right now is my Movie Pass description. <laughs> when, that, when that dies, I'm going to have to start paying for movies again. Oh, not going to be good. <laughs> We'll shudder. We'll shudder things. <laughs> Between movie pass going out of business and me having another kid, I don't know that we can keep this up for much longer. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Hopefully one of those things doesn't happen for a very long time and it's the one involving me. So Oh. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Your thing I want you to have a I want everything to go great. So that'll be good. If if you're leaving to go take care of a child, that's a very good reason to not write for a movie blog. So I support yeah. that. Yeah. Tell a man of that. Thank, thank you. I will. I will. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll be seeing you further on up the road. Adios. Adios.